It's Thursday, the 10th of November, and welcome to Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon Jang Woo. President Yoon Suk Yeol is set to embark on a six-day diplomatic trip to Southeast Asia to attend various international summits. A sideline trilateral summit with the US and Japan has also been announced. We'll have more in news briefing shortly. The debate over who should be held responsible for the Itaewon crowd crush has continued to rage in the Korean political scene. We'll discuss this issue further for Korean Politics Digest. And then for Explore Korea, we'll learn about some objections that were raised within the cultural sector over the national mourning period for the Itaewon disaster. Let's begin Korea 24. President Yoon Sung yeol will head to Cambodia tomorrow to kickstart diplomacy in Southeast Asia in his first official visit to the region since taking office six months ago. On the sidelines of the ASEAN and G20 meetings, bilateral summits are being arranged, including one with the US President Joe Biden. A three-way summit with Biden and Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida has also been confirmed. For more on this and our other headlines of the day, we're joined on the line by KBS World Radio News Editor Eunice Kim. Eunice, hello. Hello. So the news lines are trickling in as President Yun's trip to Cambodia and Indonesia were belatedly confirmed. Uh, do we know when President Yun will be meeting with U.S. President Biden? Uh, I'm afraid not. The date nor the venue has yet to be announced, though the presidential office did confirm this Thursday afternoon that President Yoon Sung yeol will be holding bilateral summit talks with U.S. President Joe Biden. Adding to the president's earlier comments to reporters this morning that a trilateral summit with the U.S. and Japan will indeed happen, and that planning is underway for a few bilateral summit meetings. The trilateral summit is set for Sunday in Cambodia, according to the White House. The top office explained that the fine-tuning of bilateral summits was delayed due to a delayed decision of the president's attendance, given the tragic Itaewon crowd crush that the nation is dealing with right now. The president also said he has decided to participate in the upcoming global conferences, including the G20 summit in Bali for the nation's interests and to support South Korean businesses economic activities abroad. The six-day trip comes as the world is also reopening post-COVID-19. I understand a sit-down with China is also being pursued. Right. It appears Chinese President Xi Jinping will be attending the G20 meetings in Bali. So far, the line out of the presidential office here in Seoul, however, is that nothing has been decided on a bilateral summit with China or Japan. Meanwhile, at ASEAN, the president is expected to explain his government's new Indo-Pacific strategy based on liberty, peace and prosperity during the three days of summit diplomacy with ASEAN. Nations. Uh, National Security Advisor Kim Sung Han had explained Wednesday that President Yoon at ASEAN will lay out a basic framework on Seoul's foreign policy that also comprises multilateral and alliance based diplomacy. The government has been working on its Indo Pacific strategy with the Foreign Ministry's North American Affairs Bureau since May. Meanwhile, there are concerns being raised as journalists from local broadcaster NBC have been barred from boarding the presidential plane during President Yoon Song-yeol's upcoming trip. So can you tell us more about this? 
Yeah, the top office uh, reportedly notified NBC, the broadcaster, of its decision on Wednesday, which is two days before President Yoon is set to depart for his Southeast Asia tour in quite an unusual move. The office said the decision was made in light of repeated distortions and biased reporting on foreign affairs by NBC, adding that the exclusion was, quote-unquote, inevitable to prevent a continuance of such reporting. Protesting the decision, NBC issued a statement saying that the move is clearly an act of restricting reporting by the media. Asked on the matter on his way to work on Thursday, uh, President Yoon said presidents go on overseas tours spending a lot of tax money because the national interest is on the line. Yes, and we'll have updates from President Yoon's trip over the next week. Uh, Let's move on to other headlines now. The state-run Career Development Institute has cut the nation's growth forecast for next year from 2.3% to 1.8%. Warning of an expected slowdown, the Research Institute attributed its grim outlook to sluggish exports and investment. So can you run us through the numbers, Eunice? Yeah, it's a significant haircut, 2.3 to 1.8%, a revision down of 50 basis points. The Korea Development Institute in its Outlook release Thursday projected that growth in exports will slow sharply uh, and tepid investment will continue in the second half of the year. Uh, Exports are set to forecast to grow a mere 1.6% as goods exports recede amid a global economic slowdown. The Institute added that it expects private consumption will rise 3.1% in 2023. That is lower than this year amid a drop in real purchasing power due to high inflation and sluggish consumption in goods resulting from a rise in interest rates. On that note, inflation is projected to climb 3.2% next year. That exceeds the Bank of Korea's target of 2%. The KDI advised the central bank to carry on its tight monetary policy, but consider the expected downturn in deciding the pace of interest rate hikes. It also advised the government to create an environment in which women and the elderly can actively participate in the labor market, given the backdrop of weakening growth spurred by a rapidly aging trend. On that note, the government is looking to expand eligibility for benefits given to households with multiple children as South Korea faces a globally low birth rate crisis. Can you tell us more? Mm Yeah, the Presidential Committee on Aging Society and Population Policy announced on Thursday that support policies must be changed from the current three-child threshold to support households with two or more children as the nation attempts to head off a demographic nosedive. Pledging active efforts from the central and local governments to share the burden of raising multiple children, the committee will review mid- to long-term tasks to expand eligibility for the array of benefits uh, by establishing a negotiating group with central ministries and local governments. The government has already expanded some benefits for households with multiple children this year, including allowing second children in low-income households to be eligible for national scholarships. Moving on to some polling next. Today marks six months of President Yoon sung yeols presidency. And a KBS survey to mark the occasion has found that two out of three people disapprove of the management of state affairs. So can you run us through the numbers? 
Yeah, his approval rating showed little uh, change from a KBS survey that was conducted around the president's 100th day in office mark. 64.9% of respondents said that the president is, quote-unquote, doing poorly, while 30.1% said otherwise. About 45% said the president is doing very poorly. Almost 60% of respondents said that President Yoon will do poorly during the remainder of his term, of which there is a significant part given that it's a five-year term. The poll conducted by Hanguk Research on 1,000 adults from Sunday to Tuesday has a confidence level of 95% with a margin of error of plus or minus 3.1 percentage points. Understand the public were also polled on how the Yun government's handling of the Halloween crowd crush tragedy as well. Yeah, that's right. Regarding the government's response to the Itaewon crowd crush, two out of three respondents said that the government is doing poorly. About 45% saying the government is doing very poorly. As for calls for dismissing those officials responsible for the accident, 73.8% said that they were supportive, while just 23% said they were against. Just about Just above 43% said that the National Assembly should conduct an inspection into the case regardless of the ongoing police investigation, while about a third, 33.3%, said the matter should be decided after the ongoing probe is completed. Meanwhile, the investigation continues into the Itaewon incident. Can you update us on the latest? Yeah, a special police team investigating the Taiwan crowd crush is summoning officials from the Yongsan police station as well as others uh, as a scrutiny into the case. The cause of the fatal accident does continue. They are seeking clarity on allegations that the station had deleted analysis reports predicting that Halloween festivities would attract crowds to Itaewon. The unit is already investigating the heads of the intelligence department of the Yongsan police station on charges of abuse of authority, destruction of evidence, and professional negligence resulting in death. The National Police Agency will also be bringing in officials from the Yongsan District Office to determine whether the office responded properly before and after the accident. And finally, data suggests vaccinations against COVID-19 are concerningly low despite a warned winter resurgence of the virus. Indeed, the KDCA said the rate of booster inoculation for those aged 18 and up at the start of the winter season stood at 3.1% as of Thursday, breaking that down further by age. The booster rate for those 60 and older stood at a mere 9.3%, despite being prioritized, while 0.3% of those 18 to 59 have gotten the booster. Meanwhile, the nation reported more than 50,000 new COVID-19 cases on Thursday, including 50 from overseas. The country's cumulative caseload broke the 26 million mark, uh, as the daily tally was an increase of some 20,000 from two weeks ago. That's all for our news briefing today. Thank you for those updates. You bet. Coming up next is in-depth news analysis. You are now listening to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio.
The national mourning period for the crowd-crushed tragedy in Itaewon that claimed the lives of over 150 people ended on Saturday. In the wake of the disaster, President Yoon sung yeol vowed to hold those responsible for the deficient handling of the incident. While mostly senior and mid-level police officials have been the focus of a special investigation, opposition lawmakers are calling for senior government officials to take responsibility as well. To discuss this situation now for Korean Politics Digest, we have two guests joining us in the studio. First, we have law professor Song Taehyun from Kyung University. Professor, hello. Hello, thank you. And we also have with us affiliate professor Kim Byung-ju from the Hanguk University of Foreign Studies. Hello to you too, professor. Hello. Yes, it's uh, great to have you both in the studio today. It's been almost two weeks since the disaster. A police, a special police investigation is underway. Dozens of police and government officers have been raided, including the police chiefs. President Yun held a special meeting on Monday to review what happened and discuss how to improve the emergency response to such situations. The National Police Agency announced that it will conduct a major internal overhaul to improve crowd control measures and communication. Meanwhile, the opposition parties have requested a parliamentary investigation. Professor Kim, let me start with you. What has been your observation of the aftermath of the tragic accident? Yes, we have to find someone who did wrong. Uh, We have to find uh, the officials who were dragging their feet when people were being killed. Uh, We have to find out what exactly had happened. That's perfectly clear. Having said that, however... For the past few days, I've been thinking about police and firefighters who are on the street trying to save these lives. Some people who are conducting CPRs until their their hands were almost injured. I mean, these people who are trying to save lives on the Mm. street of these dying people, the policemen and women who are doing their very best after the facts, after the accidents... To what extent are we going to hold them responsible? That question has been in my mind for for a long time, for, for days indeed. Again, you know, and let me repeat, we have to find those police people or firefighters who are dragging their feet and were not there on time and everything. We have to find out. But but how far are we going to go? That That is a question. I mean, you know, police men and women... Uh, I don't know how many of our listeners have been to police stations at very late night and so on. I have been there, not because of my fault, but but, but different situations. Sure. It's a very hard job. Mm. They patrol the streets and they, they try to maintain the safety and so on. I mean, as a whole, what I'm saying is this country, this society, I think we have to have a better view, better respect, better perspective on the people in in uniforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a dispute about, uh, you know, to what extent uh, the head of the firefighters in the unit uh, who was, uh, you know, briefing the public after the accident when he was charged. Uh, you know, we had a big debate about that. Uh, my heart goes into that direction. Those people who are doing their very best somehow wrongfully held uh, accountable or responsible for this. That's something we have to avoid. I mean, in criminal law, you know, there's a principle that you have to do all you can. I mean, even if you you can let go of those guilty people, 10, 10 of the guilty, guilty people, you know, to avoid wrongly charging an innocent one and sending the person to jail. I, I, I have a similar thoughts on this altogether. So uh, policemen and policemen and women and then firefighters, they have been in my mind for days, 
looking into this. As I see sure. the ruling party and the presidential office trying to focus on the blame on the police. Mm. So your thoughts have been uh, on the policemen and the first responders who are on the ground trying to help the victims with their bare hands. Professor Song, what have you... What have you observed over the last uh, week and a half uh, as uh, we've been coming to terms with this, as the government has been handling this? Well, the whole country is in shock. And my, myself feels that it is unbelievable that Korea has become a country that cannot even handle a street party. Hmm. The failure comes from many different uh, levels. Uh, first of all, there, there, are, there are street level failures. Uh, but then we have a systematic failure uh, that we don't have the the safety protocol in place and also poli- policing uh, practices that should have been there. I mean, there has uh, should have been a preparation and anticipation that there would be mm. uh, a lot of people, even if they're wrong about guesstimates. Uh, when the warning signs come and the the the, the emergency numbers uh, ring off the hook, they should be able to step up and to le- go to level two. And then <clears throat> when that really uh, emergency situation happened, the intergovernmental collaboration seems to be uh, not in place. So uh, I'm dismayed that although uh, the investigation has to go forward and look for uh, those people who are in their election of their duties, but at the same time, we have to look at the systematic failure I mean, uh, it's a fault of the government leaders, including the lawmakers, that we don't have that protocol. We don't have that the, the safety measure in place and the policies and and the measures. And this is after a uh, Seoul ferry, ferry uh, disaster where we're all talking about the public safety at the time. To that point, I think, Professor Song, I'd like to just, uh, you know, respond. I offer a slightly different response here. Uh, let's ask honest question here. How many alleys do we have in Itaewon? And how quickly was this happening? Sewol was sinking for hours. And this just happened within seconds, mm-hmm. or within a minute. And so... Uh, you know, I mean, we social scientists have this uh, tendency or terminology called overdetermination. As we look back, people are bound to say, oh, we knew this was going to happen. They should have known this was going to happen. The thing is, the, 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 this particular case, the pace, speed, it happened. And then the, the extensiveness of these potential places, p- potential places that it, it could happen. Did we really know? that this was going to happen? Let's ask honest question. Did anyone really know that this was going to happen? That, you know, away from all the social debate, that's just intellectual question I well, have in my mind. Okay, so, well, there seems to be two questions that are being discussed uh, widely uh, in political circles at the moment. So the first question is, who is directly responsible for the incident? And the second is, who should take responsibility for the incident? Let's start with the first question then. First song, who do you think is really responsible for the uh, incident uh, directly? Well, <clears throat> I mean, when uh, Professor Kim said the, the, that exonerates those people who have not anticipated, but mm. I, I cannot go there because we know that the, the, the places around the Hamilton Hotel is the hot spot. And the the crowd had been gathering uh, e- for years, and it's been increasing. And like I said, 
even if they're wrong about the guesstimates, there were about 130,000 people this time, maybe they're off by thousands and thousands of people, but they can uh, draw the simple map and say that if we have a crowd, then there has to be uh, exit routes and there has to be some measures in place. First of all, turn off all the loud music. That could be done by one person just placing a few calls and putting a, a one-way street sign uh, so that we that they can exit on one direction. Was that Those the responsibility are, of the police or perhaps the, the local council, the, the Yongsan district? Well, both, actually. The, I, I think the Yongsan-gu office has more responsibility to say that, well, this happens in our district uh, on a regular basis. So, And they talked about it in, in, in their meetings, record shows. And they didn't do anything about it or they didn't do enough. And uh, that goes to the intergovernmental collaboration. Once they uh, identify the potential problems, they had to be able to establish a, a working relationship with the police and the medical staff and also firefighters so that there will be uh, enough uh, mm. people there on the ground and also a, a practices, coordinated practices, when uh, this thing takes place. Professor Kim, yeah. who the, do you think is responsible, directly responsible? Right, I think that question has to be asked. Let me respond, uh, first of all, by saying who is not responsible, in my view, in my thinking. Those who lost their lives, hmm. those who were injured, uh, those who suffered physical damages at, at this accident, right. they are not responsible. They cannot be held responsible for any reasons for, for anything. Very clear there. Those people who wanted to party, who wanted to have a good time, they're not responsible for wanting that and then and doing that. Yes, right. some, now, people, some people now, have blamed them, unfortunately. Right. Now, I exclude those groups clearly, but now I'm going to say who's responsible. Those people who intentionally went into that alley, knowing how crowded that is, they're responsible. I'm sorry, I have to say it. You know, I, there, there were a lot of people who were pushed into the alley. They are not responsible. But there were people who entered the alley knowing the density of the crowd and thinking that somehow they're going to go through. And then going there, there were people who were there. And then those people, they are responsible. And then, having said that, Professor Song is responsible. I'm responsible. You're responsible. We are all responsible about this because living in this city we have so many situations where there is high uh, high density crowd that we deal with every day and we don't do anything about it professor song is saying that we should done do, we should done all these things uh, people particularly in yongsan district and the police say, should have done certain things in the alley in itaewon area particularly i'm not sure there are so many alleys in itaewon we should have just changed our mind from the beginning and we should have just done different things before this tragedy happened about the possible risk of high-density crowd all around the city, including subway number nine that we have to take to get to this KBS building. There has been this high-density crowd uh, talks, but we haven't done anything about it. So we are all responsible. This public is responsible. This society is responsible. That's what I think. Well, the society is collectively responsible, then that's fine. But there are people who are paid to think about those things and prepare the policies. We don't have the power to do it. 
Even if we have good ideas, we cannot put it into place. We didn't there think people... about it. We didn't talk about it. Korean media is talking about, oh, we, somebody should have known this, that this would happen, and they should have known. But the thing is, Korean media, they didn't talk about it. They are responsible. Well, <clears throat> I, I think those people who are directly, directly responsible, uh, when their job description says public safety is their job and they get paid for it, and we pay for it actually for the taxpayers' money, and those people uh, cannot escape the responsibility directly. And uh, if uh, the failure goes, we don't go to jail. They should go to jail. But before that, I like to argue that as a citizen, we should not enter areas where there is crazy level of density of crowd as citizens. Those people who walk <clears throat> into these areas on our own volition, which includes me, I'm sure it's Professor Song does it once in a while in the city as well. We, are, we share the responsibility. Well, let sure. me push you on that a little bit further. You said, which I agree, that partiers cannot be responsible. Partiers are, are uh, a lot of times a little bit drunk. I would even allow that uh, drunk people with a little, little loss of uh, judgment at the time, they should be all exonerated. Nobody's responsible. I, I think it's, it's a responsibility of the police and the, the government officials at the time. Let's move on to the next part of the question. So who should <clears throat> take responsibility? Uh, a recent survey found that more than 70% of the public are supportive of dismissing the people responsible for the Halloween crowd crush in Itaewon. Uh, KBS recently commissioned the poll. It was conducted by Hangul Research on 1,000 adults from Sunday to Tuesday. It has a confidence level of 95% with a margin of error of uh, plus or minus 3.1 percentage points. It also found that 50.6% of respondents feel that the police commissioner general the Prime Minister and the Interior Minister all should take responsibility. Professor Kim, who do you think uh, should be held responsible? How far up should it go? If, as I said at the very beginning of this talk, if we find anyone who made a clear mistake and breach of responsibility, we should hold that people for responsible, uh, no matter what. That's clear. But... but uh, in terms, if we do not find anyone specifically, directly, uh, you know, uh, accountable for making this terrible mistake, I'm thinking maybe Minister of Interior and Public Safety should probably step down, not because of any direct mistake he has made, but be, because he's the highest official in charge of public safety, as his job title says. Mm. Um, but when he does so, uh, I'm thinking no one below him. He should take, you know, the, the the cross over his shoulder and then just just take the sacrifice. Mm. Uh, and because someone has to hold the responsibility and mm. someone has to be held accountable for this, politically speaking, mm. I think that's what uh, should happen. Any any demand that should happen, any level be higher above him, that will be ludicrous. That will be demand that's designed to hurt. Mm. damage this current government. That's a politically motivated. But I think a Minister of Interior and Public Safety stepping down because of this incident will be, in my own view, politically necessary gesture, action of sincerity. Professor Song, what do you think? Well, I, I kind of agree, <clears throat> but for different reasons, I guess. Um, I, I think that gesture is not enough at this point. 
and somebody should uh, make it right and work extra hard to put into place uh, policing practices and safety protocols uh, and, and such. But uh, and the 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 minister is only six months uh, in his job, so it's a little bit harsh to to be responsible for the whole thing. However. What he said and his conduct after this thing happened didn't give me any confidence that he is the right person to do the job. Mm. So for that reason, I'd like to see him go. But um, uh, I, I think it's just firing people uh, to to ask for res- to to make him a fall guys or fall people. Uh, I don't. I don't think that that's a good policy. Uh, I don't think it'll solve the fundamental problems in the first place. I don't think I, I disagree with the reasons uh, Professor Song mentioned. Uh, the Korean media practice of holding someone, you know, accountable for these words one sets, mm. uh, especially Professor Song mentioned six months. I mean, we human beings, we we say sometimes. Uh, suboptimal things. Mm. I won't say stupid. Suboptimal things in in different occasions. But if if you hold high officials for the words that they say, I don't think that's very productive. If he had done something wrong, uh, you know, you should hold him directly responsible. But I, what I said was not that right because of his position, because of his job title. If we cannot find someone who is directly accountable, then we should let him go. That's all I said. Now, that the poll I mentioned earlier, let's talk a little bit more about that. It was actually part of a poll on President Yoon's performance to mark his uh, six months in office. His approval rating came to just 30.1%, while his uh, negative approval rating was 64.9%. His approval rating has hovered around the 30% mark in most polls since uh, July. So it doesn't seem like his rating has dropped significantly since this disaster. Uh, Professor Kim, very briefly, what do you read into this poll? I guess in my own thinking and uh, based on what I said so far, this may be an evidence that public may, a large portion of public may share the same view as the, the one that I hold, perhaps. Perhaps this is not a case where the government itself had a direct mistake, whether it's something that just had happened as a result of civic behavior that this society has condoned for a long time, and it's difficult to hold the president and the Yun government responsible directly for this. I think it's, this could be the evidence of such sentiment which I agree with. So that, that's, in my, that's my thought. Professor Song? Yeah, his approval rating was already low. Uh, but this Itaewon uh, did not really hit him uh, that hard because, you know, it was rock bottom <laughs> in the first place. But I, I think other uh, dynamics are in place. One is, yes, uh, people recognize the failure on uh, the levels up and down. Uh, but uh, when a country is in a, 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 a rough situation like this one, people tend to rally around the leaders. I think there is a little bit of that to kind of uh, counterbalance the, the the downward pressure on this thing. Uh, what what it says is that uh, it is also an opportunity for President Yoon, uh, if he behaves uh, like a leader this time, to fix this problem and just take charge on this big issue of public safety. Then I think this is a very good politically. A, 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 
a God-given opportunity to recover and also show him that, yes, uh, I haven't done this. Uh, I'm a novice president, but uh, I grow uh, through this experience and become a true leader that you can believe in. And he's been doing all right in that line of thinking, I guess. I agree with Professor Song. And he's been doing exactly what his Professor Song has been talking about. He he attended this, you know, the the portal, uh, what do you call it, the site where they, you know, remember the victims every day he attended, and then he apologized to the public and then so on. So that's probably why he's maintaining this level of public support. But in doing so, he was trying to blame the officials. And in one of the meetings, he's, he actually raised his voice against the police. And that's what I'm concerned about. Like, you know, in, in order to maintain his level of support, public support, he may be kind of victimizing the police and going all the way to get in the same line with all the media people are doing. That is cause of my concern. Okay, and meanwhile, a trio of opposition parties have requested a parliamentary investigation into the cause of the incidents. Uh, The main opposition Democratic Party, the Justice Party and the Basic Income Party were joined by a group of independent lawmakers as well that had defected from the DP in submitting the request Wednesday afternoon. A total of 181 lawmakers, accounting for slightly over 60% of uh, Parliament, joined the move. Uh, The ruling People Power Party, meanwhile, opposed the uh, parliamentary probe at this time, saying priority should first be given to the outcome of the special police investigation. So perhaps we'll have a parliamentary probe afterwards, they're saying. Professor Song, what do you make of uh, this uh, call for a parliamentary investigation? Well, parliamentary investigation over the years um, uh, is largely hit and miss. Uh, sometimes they do produce a workable results, but most of the time uh, they don't. It becomes a kind of a, a a situation where just just like we experience in in the national inve- uh, inspection, uh, they yell at each other, uh, seem to uh, fault others uh, for ad nauseum. Uh, but I, I think there is a a a kind of a scenario where we can use the parliamentary in investigation as well, which is that we have to trust at, uh, at first what NOI does. NOI, the Special uh, Investigation Unit, was created under this uh, uh, new organization that came about as a result of the, the prosecutorial reform, right? Uh, National Office of in- Investigation. Mm-hmm. If there were to be like the FEI, it is also their opportunity to show that they can uh, and perform uh, well to justify the existence of their their um, the functions. Once that report is out, uh, I think the the parliamentary investigation can work w- uh, with the report and uh, stay above the political uh, battle or s- stay above the, 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 the party uh, affiliations to produce w- not just a who to blame, but okay. what to do about it. So you're saying there is a need for a parliamentary investigation, but perhaps a little bit later. Right. Okay. Uh, Professor Kim, what about you? Very generally, uh, we need facts. Uh, we need to know what exactly had happened. But my guess, my gut feeling is that this is an incident that's happened very quickly, very short time. Many eyes are watching. So investigators may actually have a great difficult time finding out who is actually to blame. And last thing that I want to do is, that I want to uh, see is, 
these investigators, for the sake of investigation, manufacturing a false accusation of the innocent and hardworking policemen and women and firefighter, firefighters and, and making them uh, you know, the responsible for this tragedy. That's the last thing I want to see. Okay, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up there. Uh, Professor Song, Professor Kim, thank you both for your time today and for your analysis. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. you very much. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index fell 22.18 points, or 0.91% on Thursday, closing the day at 2,402.23. The Takebi Kosdaq also fell, losing 6.82 points, or 0.95%, closing the day at 707.78. On the foreign exchange, the local currency weakened 12.71 against the dollar, ending the day at 1,377.51. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. We continue on now to our daily segment, Korea Trending, rounding up some of the other news stories that have been trending online today. And for that, we have Walter Lee back in his usual time <laughs> slot to bring us those stories. Walter, hello. It's good to see you again. Hi, Tang. It's always good to see you. Let's head straight into our stories today. What do you have for us first? Right. So two bank employees at Gangneung City, Gangwon Province, have been detained by the police on suspicions of embezzling nearly 13 billion won in bank funds for around 16 years. The Gangneung police said Thursday that they detained two employees of the Korea Federation of Community Credit Cooperatives, or KFCC, on embezzlement and misappropriation charges on Wednesday. One person in their 40s and the other in their 50s allegedly pocketed 12.9 billion won in savings from the bank's customers from 2006 to June of this year. That's around 9.4 million US dollars. Wow, so they got away with it for 16 years, which is uh, quite astounding. How were their actions discovered in the end then, when they had been getting away with it for so long? Right, so the two appeared before the police and confessed in the face of pressure about some 2 billion won going missing in the bank. They worked. The fact that the money, uh, much money was missing surfaced during the KFCC's special inspection of its 201 branches nationwide, which was launched in June. The inspection came after an embezzlement case was confirmed in one of the cooperative's branches in Seoul Songpa district. Uh, the KFCC filed a complaint against the two employees and three other former and current employees in the Gangneung branch, accusing them of violating the nation's special law on economic crimes. Police plan to determine whether the remaining three people had conspired with the two employees in their embezzlement efforts. Right, so there could be more people involved then. Do we know what happened to all the money that uh, they stole? They are said to have spent it all on real estate. While admitting the embezzlement charges, the two are said to have claimed that the amount is smaller than what the police are saying. Right, so it looks like there is more that needs to be uncovered. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that story in the future. In the meantime, move on to our second story. What do you have for us next? <laughs> 
Right, so pitcher Anu Jin of the Kium Heroes, who has shown the most spectacular performance in the Korea Baseball Organization or KBO this season, will not be considered for their Choi Dong Won Award. Kang Jin Su, the Secretary General of the Choi Dong Won Memorial Foundation, which honors the late legendary pitcher, said Thursday that though An is a great player, the foundation excluded him from the list of nominations for this year's award. Now, Kang said the decision was reached due to the fact that An had been slapped with a 50-game suspension for being the perpetrator of school bullying when he was in high school. Right, I believe the story broke back in 2017, and then he was also given a, a three-year suspension with the national team, I believe, as well, which uh, essentially turns into a lifetime ban, I think, if you get mm. suspension for anything more than three years. So uh, he's not been able to represent South Korea in any of the uh, Asian Games or Olympics or World Baseball Classic or anything like that either. Mm-hmm. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about this award as well? Sure thing. So the Choi Dong Won Award is presented to the best KBO pitcher. It has been given out every season since 2014. Now, pitchers must meet seven conditions to be considered as as a candidate, including having started in more than 25 games, having an ERA score of less than three, and having more than 12 wins. Other conditions include playing more than 180 innings, 150 strikeouts, 15 quality starts, and recording more than 35 saves. Now, Ahn met all seven conditions, but Kang said the fact that he was involved in a school bullying incident contradicts the spirit of Tre, who almost quit baseball due to school bullying during his college years. With the latest experience, the foundation added a new condition that nominees should have exemplary quality and character as baseball players. The award will be presented next Thursday in a ceremony in Busan. Okay, let's move swiftly on to our last story. What else has been trending today? Yeah, so about two months ago, we talked about on our show about K-pop girl group Kara making a comeback in November after seven years. Well, it seems that the five-member group will be performing their new song for the fir- very first time ever at the 2022 Mnet Asian Music Awards, or MAMA, which will kick off in Japan's Kyocera Dome Osaka later this month. Organisers of the show said Thursday that Kara will go on stage on the first day on November 29th. Right, so the comeback of the second-generation K-pop group is finally almost here, and fans have more to be excited about on the day of the group's performance, right? Yeah, that's right. So at 6pm, they will also release their album titled Move Again, marking the 15th anniversary of their debut. Another reason they have got to be thrilled about uh, the fact that the former members Nicole and Kang Jiyong, who left the group back in 2014, also took part in the making of the new release with Park Yuri, Han Sung-yeon and Ho Yong-ji. Now, since their debut in 2007 with the album Blooming, <laughs> Kara went on to win a <laughs> slew a of, of O's. A, that's basically. a lot of O's, yes. yes. <laughs> Kara went on to win a slew of awards and records, including the prestigious Oricon Charts New Artists of the Year Award. They were were also the first female foreign act to perform at a concert at the Tokyo Dome. Yes, uh, the awards will run through November 30th and will be live-streamed worldwide through Mnet's official YouTube channel. That's where we're going to leave it for today's Career Trending. Thank you for those stories, Walter, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.
Next up, it's Explore Korea, a weekly segment discovering some of the cultural, historical, and travel highlights that the country has to offer. Joining me in the studio this week is our arts and culture explorer, Anjo. Jo, hello. It's great to see you. Likewise, Chang. Now, Jo, understand that we won't be talking about a specific artist or exhibition this week. We Not have this time, yeah. something a little different to talk about, right? An mm-hmm. issue related to the Itaewon crowd crush disaster. Yeah. So I was actually uh, contemplating, uh, you know, uh, discussing this very topic on our show, and then uh, it's like Sorry, one of our two producers, right? She just completely read my mind. She gave me a call and she said, "Hey, so this is going on. Would you like to talk about?" It? I said, "Oh, definitely. Yes, let's do it." So, and what this is is, of course, related to the week-long official national mourning period, which uh, ended last Saturday, right? It was a governmental designation, right? So the unit administration, the uh, Yoon Sung-yeol administra- administration said right after, one day after the the uh, very tragic Itaewon Halloween disaster that we will have a week-long national mourning period. Period. I believe that it's been discussed on Korea 24 for mm, the past indeed. week as well. However, because I'm from the culture, uh, from the culture sector, and this is not a, a personal view of mine, if you will, sure. right? But mm. it's more of a collective and kind of a now social uh, debate on this disagreement that quite a few people in the culture and arts sector have expressed regarding the designation of a national mourning period. So we'll get into the details of that. But yes, today's topic is a culture criticism approach to the designation of the period and the disagreement. Right. So this is quite a sensitive topic, of Mm -hmm. course. At first, some might think, why would there be any disagreement to a national mourning period? Sure. But that is where uh, we are looking to explore today. Let's first talk about the designation of the period itself. The Mm -hmm. cause is pretty evident. Uh, But can you tell us a bit more about the cultural aspect of such uh, designation? Sure, Chang. So I think we can safely say that any kind of social response to a disaster of this nature has a few universal humanitarian and cultural elements, right? For example, 21 years ago in New York, 9-11, right? And if you think about uh, in America, of course, one of the major sports is baseball. Mm. And um, 9-11, September is a very important year in a typical major league baseball season because you're nearing the end of the regular season. Mm. Uh, the, The teams which are in race for a spot in the playoffs, they're really, really competing at a high level. And all of a sudden, this horrific thing happens and what they did well major league baseball they canceled all baseball games actually postponed all baseball games for exactly one week Hmm. now however doing that as a professional sports league on their own spontaneously that's one thing designating an official period of mourning at the governmental level, right. that's a different story, right? Mm. Because this is literally a political action. And with that in mind, if we take a look at the history of disasters South Korea has undergone, mm. obviously eight years ago, April 16th, the Seoul Ferry accident, right? And um, the difference between 9-11 and that one, I would say, is first off, 9-11, that was a terrorist attack. So that's... Sure. Uh, a case of international dispute, whereas Tower Ferry was not a terrorist attack, right? This was a domestic issue. And when you have that kind of a domestic issue happen, it apparently generates a corresponding culture and political context. What I mean by that is, for instance, later on we found out that if the government had better measures 
uh, regarding the sinking of the sinking of the uh, ferry. For uh, in other words, if they had some kind of a rescue plan, which according to experts wasn't that much of a difficult thing to execute, mm. then they would have saved saved uh, way many more lives, if not all lives. Uh, FYI, for the people who are not our listeners who are not too familiar with the s e o u l ferry accident, uh, it resulted in the death of 299 passengers, and five people are still missing to this. to this day, which means it's very likely that they too have unfortunately passed away. Sure, and it's mostly high school students as well. Yes, very, very unfortunately. And what I mean by a corresponding culture becomes, uh, uh, blooms out of this is, think about all the things that happened afterwards. Like, sure. For example, artists uh, uh, designing uh, special artistic events, cultural events, and the protest culture that bloomed from this as well. So these kind of things happen. And then from the political sector, it's, of course, the matter of responsibility. So what do we do in the aftermath of the situation? And I think uh, from the general public's uh, point of view that the then Park Geun-hye administration really didn't do that much of a, I would say, ideal job. Right? So that kind of a culture is what we have, unfortunately. And then eight years later, we have this situation, right? Mm. And uh, the the thing is, any any, uh, presidential administration after the Park Geun-hye presidency, you see this happen. You already know what happened eight years ago. I think the first thing that goes through your mind is you need to take some kind of immediate action and show the people that you you really, really care about the situation and we will take action. And I think in that kind of a mindset, what came out, well, one of the many things that came out was the designation of this national mourning period. So... In such a a historical, cultural, and political context, I guess it's not too difficult to understand the causality behind this unique designation. Sure. I I think initially when uh, President Yoon made that decision, I don't think anyone was perhaps surprised or Mm -hmm, I'm sure it was welcomed by a lot of people as well. Sure. Uh, Nevertheless, as you mentioned earlier, some people, especially uh, in the field of uh, culture and art, express their disagreement with the designation. Can you explain a bit more about that? Sure, because, uh, well, the most general repercussion was that uh, why is the government kind of compelling a particular way of mourning, Mm. right? Because once you governmentally designate such period, and probably ironically that's precisely why, or at least one of the reasons why the government may have thought it was necessary to designate such period is that If you are in the culture and art sector, for example, you're a musician, you're a rock musician, you want to do a rock concert, it's scheduled three days after that accident, that that, that disaster, it's going to be very difficult to execute it when you have a political mood of, no, 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 let's kind of, you know, tone things down a little Mm. bit. So that kind of a situation happens. And therefore, there's first off an immediate context of, cancelling gigs and and things of that nature. I mean, official government events were, of course, all cancelled, but then it put pressure on non-government-affiliated events to uh, cancel as well or postpone. That's the key word right there. Mm. Cultural and political pressure is Mm. applied, right? And for the culture sector, I'll make a comparison during uh, the pandemic was still ongoing, but when things were a bit more serious than they were now when it comes to COVID, is that uh, say that If you contract COVID, that's one thing. However, if you're suffering from severe asthma and then you contract COVID, 
that's a completely different story, right? Mm. And I think the reason why I made this comparison is that too many people in Korea's culture and arts sector are kind of way too, too tired of this whole idea that, oh, it's, again, we're the ones who have to suffer when it comes to these kind of things, mm. right? Right. Why are they depriving us of our rights to labor, for example? Mm. And that's another issue. Why? Because in Korean culture, there is unfortunately a kind of a quasi-general consensus that goes, artists exercising their artistic uh, skills is not really labor. Whereas for artists, no, that's completely not the case. It is labor. This is how we actually work. And this is how we bring bread to the table. Right, So you you have that uh, huge gap between understanding the nature of art in terms of it being labor or not, right? And another thing that, uh, which I think is very unique in Korea is the so-called dantara culture. And dantara is a Korean word, which it's kind of like a disrespectful uh, way of denoting people in the entertainment sector, right? right? Okay. Mm. And the thing is, People, quite a few people actually are educated and sophisticated enough to understand that, for example, doing some kind of a, uh, I would say, low culture kind of an artistic event versus something of higher sublimity are two different things. However, we have this long history of understanding cultural events and cultural practices as somewhat less important or inferior to other aspects of life. Mm. So you have all this together. So what I'm trying to say is that you already have that chronic situation, and I gave you the example of having severe asthma, right? And then you apply this kind of a governmental designated mourning period, so it makes things even tougher, and now finally you're expressing your complaint towards that. So on one level, it's about... simply the livelihood and income of artists, man, mm-hmm. many struggling being affected. But it's also about the arts perhaps not being taken seriously in Korean society as something frivolous that can be postponed. Sure. And also, I'm sure it's about the rights uh, for artists to express themselves mm-hmm. freely, to mourn and pay tribute to the victims in their own way, yes. if they so feel. This is a thought of an instance where some of the most... powerful and raw works could be produced, Mm -hmm. uh, like we saw after the Sewell Ferry accident as well. But at the same time, many would say, it's not about them, it's about the victims, and the least we can do for them and their families is to give them time to grieve and for everyone to mourn together. Exactly. So, as I said, it's a very sensitive discussion. Mm -hmm. So I'm almost wary about asking you this, Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps... Uh, risking cornering you in a position anyway. But no, what no, no, is no. your view on this disagreement? Okay, well, that's, that's my job. And, you know, uh, it's, I, I feel very comfortable to, do, to uh, share my two cents on this issue. It's, it's, it's something that a culture critic has to, has to do anyways, especially in these particular times. But the one thing that I want to say is that, first off, no one's against the idea that the government is trying to exercise some kind of way so that we can all mourn for the bereaved, right? Let's get that out of the way. Mm. That's very, very clear. Sure. However... As someone in the culture sector, I would suggest maybe a more creative and inclusive flexibility could be applied. And what I mean by that is, for example, during COVID, again, once again, if you exercise some kind of an unconditional COVID lockdown because you want to save lives, we immediately intuitively understand what the government's trying to do. However, there are some social minorities who would find that very, very difficult to follow. Mm. For example, if you're a victim of domestic violence, Mm. right? 
your chances of surviving actually gets higher when you stay, spend less time at home, mm. right? And I think we can apply the similar kind of logic to people in the culture sector. And what I mean by that is, all right, if you're going to, for example, if you have a gig three days after this disaster, right before the, performing the first song, say that you're a musician, right? You can have like a short moment of mourning and expressing your sadness, and, and therefore with the audience, develop some kind of a solidarity. So I think that kind of artistic freedom of expression should be allowed. And so once again, creativity and inclusiveness when it comes to these kind of actions. I think, you know, no one's perfect the first time. I hope the government will be able to understand that these voices are actually real and they come from really realistic issues. And hopefully we'll all be able to converge towards a better set of ideas when this kind of a thing happens. Although I do hope that it never, ever happens again. Sure. Perhaps it's too simple just to say there is a right or wrong answer, Mm -hmm. although I think some people uh, will think that way. Uh, But I believe it's important to be empathetic to all viewpoints, and even just having uh, the discussion is uh, perhaps a start. Mm -hmm. Well, Joe, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you for taking on this subject for us this week, though. I'm sure there would have been a lot to consider. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was our Explore career for this week, and Joe, we'll see you next time. Sure. My name is Yu Te Pyongyang. I'm a Pansori singer and a member of the National Changgul Company of Korea. And you are now listening to Korea 24. We close out the show as usual with our segment Morning Edition Preview, where we take a look at some interesting features or reports coming out in tomorrow's newspapers. And for that, our staff editor, Richard Larkin, is back with us again. (laughs) Richard, hello. It's good to see you. Hello. Good to be back. Okay, and I believe we are easing you back in with just (laughs) one story today as well. What do you have for us? Well, the story is about augmented reality, or AR, and comes from Kim Hae-yeon's article in the culture section of the Korea Herald. Before we get into the article, have you ever tried AR before, Jango? Yes, so augmented reality. It's uh, where you use your phone or some other device and uh, the camera, and uh, there are things that interact with what you're seeing on camera, right? Right, yes, that is true. So, for instance, I've played a couple of uh, cool cell phone games, Mm. and what they do is you get to play the game, but also include in the environment around you outside as well. Sure, and I believe things like uh, uh, filters uh, that change uh, like your expressions and what's around you as well is a part of uh, augmented reality technology as well. Right. So this article is about AR. Can you tell us uh, more about this article then? Well, the National Museum of Korea is looking to use AR for one of its exhibitions. It's called Exploration and will run from November 14th to the 25th and December 5th to the 16th. The article also includes pictures of what the AR looks like, and it looks pretty cool. Okay, so how is uh, AR being used for the exhibition then? So visitors will be able to rent a mobile device for free and can go through different routes that are separated by historical periods. Apparently, it will take about 50 minutes. When you arrive at a relic, you can point the device at it and something will pop up. For example, the article says that if you point the device at a comb pattern pottery piece, the details of the pattern will show up on the screen. And if you point a device at the monument from Bukhansan, the screen will show the surrounding landscapes from the period. Okay, so it's about mixing history with uh, technology then. Exactly. 
This can especially help attract visitors who are used to having technology for most things in their daily life. The museum actually started this project with Neva Lab in 2021, and the device uses the latest 360 degree projection mapping techniques. For our listeners who might be interested in going, reservations can only be made online at the museum's website. There will be six sessions per day and only five visitors per session. So not a lot of availability. So if you're interested, uh, make sure you do uh, book early. But it sounds interesting. It's uh, the museums, they're trying to find new ways to uh, engage people and grab their attentions, it seems. Yes. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up there for Morning Edition Preview. Thank you for bringing us that story, Richard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. And that's where we wrap it up for today's edition of Career24. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back same time tomorrow. So we hope you can join us again then. I've been your host, Kwon Jangwon. And thank you, as always, for listening. Goodbye.